This is a Bergen Film Club podcast. Like an old movie, removed from frame, I am floating and looking for someone to blame. Won't you project me on the walls of your heart? I'm waiting for the real thing to start. Hello, and welcome back to The Real Thing. I'm your host, Joe Lawrence, and here we are, episode 9. So The Real Thing is an extension of Bergen Film Club, which is an independent cinema at the heart of Bergen, Norway. The film club's main goal is giving a voice to those who deserve it, revealing insights into unknown cultures and showing awesome, cool movies. In this podcast, I talk about the films that are included in the film club's extensive programs of films, past, present, and future. And today, we are talking about a very cozy, strange, cool film. It's Errol Morris's Gates of Heaven. This was a really fun episode to talk about because it was very uh, cozy, I suppose. And uh, despite it's sort of talking about like death capitalism and dead pets but it's a lot more wholesome than you would uh first think i think so definitely really excited for you guys to hear the interview that we have coming up i spoke with uh one of the board members from bergen film club and she had some really great insights and it was very cozy and fun just to start off we have for some Bergen Film Club news. On Sunday, the 14th of May, we are showing the movie A Human Position, which is directed by Norway's own Anders Elmblom. Uh, and he is coming to uh, do like a live Q&A and showing of the film. So that's going to be really exciting. So if you're around in Bergen f- on May 14th, then come and check that out because that's going to be really awesome. Uh, to have the director there and maybe even something special for the podcast so yeah and it's uh the film seems really lovely it follows this couple um asta and Liva. um while asta is trying to go back to her old job in a local newspaper she stumbles on a case about an asylum seeker that's being evicted after living in norway for 10 years this case ends up altering her understanding of who she is and what her life is and what she wants from it and then yeah like i said after the screening uh Anders emblem will be joining for a conversation afterwards as well and presenting his own film which is a really special and unique opportunity so it's going to be really cool to to have him there otherwise things have been going pretty cool for the podcast it's uh still continuing to be a lot of fun and i really still appreciate everyone who's listening uh you right now who's listening right now hi thank you it's very cool and the support from bergen film club and and everyone else is just very cool i'm having a blast i hope that that's communicated well through the episode so before we get started with uh with this uh, episode of about gates of heaven let's start with some recommendations as we always do so 
I'm starting with a TV recommendation because I'm back and watching TV again. I was going to recommend this uh, Norwegian TV show called Scum, which I just started watching after being here for like two years. People have been recommending it to me the whole time. Uh, But I I don't think that I'm necessarily going to recommend that because I, you know, I think a lot of people listening are Norwegian and there's no... Like, you guys have seen it. I don't need to tell you about it. But for those who haven't seen it, Scum is like... uh, It's about a group of high school students in Oslo basically just following their problems of, like, school, love, bullying, whatever. But it's essentially, like, the blueprint for so many uh, shows that are also, like, really, really good. Uh, I guess for any UK listeners or people have seen it it's very much like skins but because it's sort of like scum is like the blueprint or like the precedent it is really good I I mean I'm only like four episodes in but the acting is great and I love the the dialogue is really good in Norwegian and I yeah it's great don't let don't let the language barrier stop you from enjoying an amazing TV series. It's very good. No idea where it's available outside of the uh, outside of Norway, but try and watch it if you can. But okay, that sounded like a recommendation, but it wasn't. Uh, what I am going to recommend is a TV show that I have been watching on Netflix called The Glory, and it is uh, just. Ooh, it's one of the best TV shows that I've ever seen, genuinely. I am enjoying it so much. It's set in Korea, and it follows a young woman who was bullied or abused to the point of deciding to drop out of school. She plans, basically then spends the next 20 years of her life figuring out the best way to get revenge on her bullies, who were also high school students. So she... Yeah, she's just been like working on getting as much money as possible over the next 20 years and planning every single facet of her revenge story and it's just so exciting and the acting is brilliant and the story and the pacing is also fantastic i was kind of skeptical because it's 16 episodes uh and each episode is like an hour but i just want to say voice that there is no need to be afraid of that because it's exciting and riveting and you just like you just have so much like you're really really rooting for this main character and you just want you just want her to like destroy the lives of these bullies it's kind of like a played out trope of uh like uh maybe someone who grew up with very little money getting revenge on the upper class but it's done in such a way that really just highlights it in a way that I haven't really like seen before and uh, it's just so it's so good and so like malicious and evil and seedy but like you just yeah you're like I don't know what I, I love like revenge getting revenge I love that the concept of it I guess I don't think I've ever gotten revenge on anyone in real life but it's like watching my my dreams come true on the screen and it's just really fantastic uh, so Yet again, if you are an English-speaking person, 
nah. If you are English, basically, if you're English American, don't let the language stop you. It's like um, Bong Joon Ho said, don't let those little text characters prevent you from seeing something amazing. So definitely check out The Glory on Netflix because I am just eating it up. I'm about halfway through and I can't wait to see what happens next. It's great. Uh, okay, and then for a movie recommendation, I watched um, Shiver Baby um, a couple of weeks ago now, I guess, maybe last week. Uh, and this follows a character called Danielle, who, while she's at a Jewish funeral service with her parents, a col- uh, she has like a awkward encounter with her sugar daddy and her ex-girlfriend. Basically, she goes to the beginning of the film sees her like with her sugar daddy and then she goes to this funeral and then he arrives with his wife and child and she's also her family are quite like discouraging of her bisexuality and uh her ex-girlfriend is there so then it's like chaos ensues but it's the dialogue is incredible in the film and it's filmed in this like incredibly claustrophobic way uh which really like highlights the kind of stress that I guess you can feel when you are in a a very small contained family environment everyone wants to know what you're doing and checking up on you and stuff and maybe if you don't necessarily have a lot of stuff to say then it's kind of embarrassing and it's just very good and I think all uh all my Gen Z listeners out there will love this film because I watched this and I got like whatever the equivalent of gender euphoria is for being Gen Z. I felt so seen in this film. I felt so understood (laughs) Uh, just on the concept of being Gen Z and kind of like the stress of being a person that we get hated on a lot for. So it was very exciting, really well shot, really well directed and really well acted. So I recommend that Shiver Baby uh, wherever you can find it. But yeah, those have been my recommendations for the week. Uh, let's get into episode 9. Today we are talking about Errol Morris's 1978 documentary, Gates of Heaven. So yes, here we are to talk about the directed by Errol Morris American documentary Gates of Heaven from 1978. So this film is essentially about the pet cemetery business. Um, So a little bit about the director and also just kind of launching from there. Gates of Heaven launched Morris's career and is now considered an absolute classic. In 1991, uh, the beloved um, film critic Roger Ebert, who we talk about a lot on the on the podcast, named it one of the best ten, uh, named it one of his best ten films ever, in his list that he made for Sound Sound. But Morris is uh, known for making quite uh, exceptional and unusual films. For example, a film fast, cheap, and out of control interweaves the stories of a wild animal trainer, a topiary gardener, and a robot scientist and a naked mole rat specialist. 
And his other films include The Thin Blue Line and A Brief History of Time. So essentially it's just, he has a lot of, uh, his filmography spans a lot of topics and genres that like just kind of prove and show the testament of what an incredible filmmaker he is. Like he understands the human condition so well, I think, that he's able to make documentaries on such wildly different topics. Um, and he's been called a master of using the camera to draw the truth from his uh, interview subjects. Uh, so just because like m many of his other works, this film is unnarrated and the stories are told purely through interviews. And he does it in a way which we're going to talk about in the upcoming uh, interview I had with uh, our guest. Is he sort of just lets them talk and talk and that's he allows the words that they use to sort of become like the building blocks of the documentary, which is which is very cool. For financing of this film, Morris borrowed money from his family and friends, and the film was shot throughout spring and summer of 1977, with a total estimated budget of $125,000. Production was uh, difficult at times, with Morris frequently clashing with his cinematographer over the film's visual style. He ultimately ended up firing three cinematographers before setting on Ned Burgess, with whom he would work again on his uh, second film, Vernon, Florida. In terms of uh, reception, noted director Werner Herzog pledged that he would eat his own shoe if uh, this film, which has such an improbable subject matter, was completed and shown in a public theatre. I'm going to save that little uh, tidbit for the interview, but um, as we know, the film became very well liked and well received so he did in fact do that but again we can't talk about that in the interview roger ebert said the film they made has become an underground legend a litmus test for our audience who cannot decide if it is serious or satirical funny or sad sympathetic or mocking and i think that's like the the beauty of this documentary in a way is that it is a kind of uh can only really be defined as bittersweet i guess there are so many happy and sad things and you kind of don't really know how to feel about it it initially focuses on moral conflict between those who would have dead parents surrendered in tallow and those who would rather have them buried or cremated um like there's your dog your dog's dead but where's the thing that made it move it had to be something didn't it is uh, one of the quotes so it's like a kind of spiritual conflict as well as talking about sort of like the capitalistic nature of a pet cemetery and those who stand to sort of uh benefit it it's truly about dichotomy it explores levels of which people love and care for their pets in this world or the next and those who think of them as garbage that need to be processed somewhere which is uh one of the things that it focuses on in the first half of the movie is the people who like come and collect and dispose of pets basically kind of the contrast between wanting to have like a funeral or just like throw it away like garbage it is also more about more than just pets but how people can turn these emotional connections into business enterprises and whether they do so out of compassion or in order to line their own pockets basically so it's just uh yeah, it's a really interesting and lovely film and 
now it's time to get to the interview. I'm excited, very excited for people to hear this. So we were joined by um, Anna Redrick, who is the one of the, my fellow board members at the film club. She is uh, very cool, very nice. And we had a great conversation about this film. She chose this to have on our autumn 2022 program. And very excitingly, this was our first ever outdoor interview. So that was very, very fun. And yeah, hope you enjoy it. Um, here is my conversation with Anna about Gates of Heaven. Okay. Hello, Anna. Hello. So nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and exciting, t- our first ever outside podcast. Yeah. yeah. This is probably the nicest day this year in Bergen. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think this film requires a like contemplative, uh, calm mm. environment to discuss it. So I think being outside is nice. Yeah, it's very fitting. Yeah, so we're talking about uh, the Errol Morris-directed movie Gates of Heaven. Um, so I'll just start by asking you why why did you like this movie? Um, it's in one way it's an easy answer but it's also like I find it the first time I saw it um, I found it very challenging yeah. actually to sit through it's very short it's one hour and twenty minutes okay um, but it's still it feels pretty long um, but I think what kind of won me over is the fact that it's incredibly charming mm-hmm. <laughs> it starts with like a, st- um, a frame of a man sitting below a huge tree yeah. and then the film kind of starts um, and then each frame is sort of a it looks like a photograph almost, it's kind of campy in a very good way yeah um, so it's kind of nice to look at. It's it's slow. It's pretty cozy. Um, filled with a lot of weird people. Yeah. <laughs> weird characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, after you're sort of sat through a lot of interviews, and you're not quite sure where it's going, uh, while you're watching it, when it's done, I f- had the feeling that oh yeah, that was kind of a whole experience mm. it was sort of um yeah a full then i kind of understood the, like the, the full thing, circle yeah. moment at the yeah. end of the film yeah i'm quite it's a like unique it. position mm. for this movie that i've only seen half of it because yeah. i saw it in the cinema when you programmed it but i um due to illness had to leave in the <laughs> middle of the movie um mm. So I I don't know that I got that like full circle moment, no, but I did think at least because the beginning is almost like a historical recap of the story of what happened to this mm. man's pet cemetery, and I thought that was pretty interesting. But I suppose if it sort of changes to be sort of interviewing these weird people, um, then I guess it could be seen as like meandering, yeah, in yeah. a way. I think I'm guessing that you've already talked about it in the intro. Yeah. Um, it's a sort of interview-led no uh, (laughs) documentary Mm -hmm. so it's only interviews no voiceover and no questions so it's only the people being interviewed talking yeah 
And I think Errol Morris has this very um, unique interview style that he just lets them talk. Mm -hmm. And then often they contradict themselves or yeah. they say <laughs> uh, a lot of weird stuff and then it's suddenly incredibly profound because they've kind of just, they're just talking. Um, so I think that's probably the meandering part. The documentary doesn't tell you um, what it's about. No. I guess so there's not a voiceover telling you, now we're going to talk to this person because they did this. Yeah. You sort of just have to hear them talk. Mm -hmm. And then they digress and talk about something completely <laughs> different. Yeah. yeah. I guess that makes you get like such a better insight into who they are as a person if they're not like yeah. st stuck to set regiment questions. Mm. But Errol Morris is a very interesting guy, like through the research that Ingrid and Mamina have done. Yeah. Like his uh, filmography is so strange yeah. to me. Like I just, it says like he did this Gates of Heaven movie, which is like, yeah, Pet Cemetery about what it is to have a pet and that spiritual connection. Mm. And then the Thin Blue Line, mm. which is like... Uh, about the like police brutality, mm. or from what I understand, and then a Stephen Hawking documentary, and something else, and then he sort of was like, "Yeah, I'm done." <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. But Gates of Heaven was his first film. Yeah, which is um, insane. Yeah. Honestly, because it's so good mm -hmm. and so uh, mature, I guess. It's a very d it it has a very distinct visual style, mm -hmm. um, which maybe isn't that normal. When you do your first film, it doesn't. Yeah, it feels like feels like he's very uh, sure about what he wanted it to look like. Yeah. And then it looks like that. Because from what I understand, he was like kind of working around film people for quite a long time. Mm. So he was definitely like, seems like he was cultivating an idea that he had for a long time. So maybe that's why he has some like assured vision. Yeah. But he also was working with and around um, that German dude. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think that working with such a strange man as he, then I, th I think you true. maybe you can be inspired. <laughs> but you programmed the um, Herzog Itzi's shoe. Yes. Which is also a great documentary. <laughs> yeah. So Werner Herzog Itzi's shoe is yeah. a short documentary made by Les Blanc. Mm -hmm. um, because so the, the mythos the myth is that Errol Morris was struggling to finish the film I guess and then Herzog told him that if he manages to finish it and then screen it in like a public place a public cinema mm -hmm. then he would cook and eat his shoe at the screening yeah um, which is a very Herzog thing to do yes I guess you could say like, uh, quite extreme and weird yes yeah and then Errol Morris uh, finishes the film. I think he did. So, Werner Herzog is his shoe is a documentary about Werner Herzog slow cooking <laughs> and then eating his uh, favorite walking shoes. Mm -hmm. And he's like hunting down the best flavors. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. he talks a lot about cooking. Mm -hmm. The fact that he he's looking forward to it to yeah. cook his shoe. Yeah. Every grown man should uh, cook once a week, he says. So. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah, he's doing <laughs> that. He's. Um, some leek in there, I think. Onion, yeah, his, uh, garlic protein. Yeah. yeah, so he's trying to make it tasty. Yeah, but I uh, doubt that it was tasty. Yeah, no, I do. It looked very tough. 
Chewy. Like, yeah, you yeah. see him true <laughs> for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. And did he eat the whole thing? No, no, no. no. I, no, no. I think it, like the rubber sole was yeah, up. Yeah, I would probably not. Yeah. But I also see him really like uh, doing that, actually, like eating the entire shoe. Yeah, yeah, he said he's going to do it. Mm -hmm. He's not going to do it. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I think um, it's an interesting. I'd recommend anyone who wants to see Gates of Heaven should also see Werner Herzog eat mm. his shoe. Because Werner Herzog has some very interesting uh, perspectives on the film, mm -hmm. which is also. It says a lot about Gates of Heaven that I can say and that I think it's uh, charming mm. and sort of a warm film. It makes me f feel good in a way. It's also, um, it has some kind of melancholic undertones maybe, I think. Yeah. But Werner Herzog, he says that it's um, a very, very sad film. Yeah. He finds it uh, <laughs> depressing okay. even. Yeah, yeah. Which is um, also true, I think. I suppose like the subject matter is kind of yeah. depressing. Mm. Dead pets. But he kind of sees it as... Because I see it, it's pretty quaint, kind of... It has some quirky humor. Mm -hmm. All the characters, I guess, the people he interviews are weird in a very charming way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think Herzog sees it as kind of the effect of late capitalism, I guess. Yeah. And in the way that people are distorting their feelings. Mm. Like it's not, it's a very strange, yep. it's a very American thing to do, to bury your pet, I feel. Even though yeah. pet cemeteries are all over the world. Mm -hmm. But in this film, it feels like a very... Yeah, from the American research that we have been digging up about pet mm. cemeteries the i think the world's biggest one kind of currently existing is an american one and it yeah. it had like something like oh i don't know like seven hundred thousand yeah, dead wow. animals in it which is very many yeah yeah and it's maybe not uh i guess what's kind of i'm not going to say that yeah seventy thousand sorry well yeah okay that's very different <laughs> yeah ten <laughs> percent <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still very many. It is still yeah. very many <laughs> dead pets. Still impressed. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess what uh, I agree with him on the point that to me it's very bizarre that you can run a cemetery and a lot of people bury their loved ones or their yeah. pets there, and then the cemetery can go bankrupt. Yeah. So you have to dig up everyone. Uh -huh. and everything and then move it it's very it's strange how it's can a cemetery go bankrupt but it's kind of like a horrific concept yeah, really yeah, it to is, uh, like if it was people then that would be yeah yeah but the that's yeah. the thing that one of the things that we were sort of looking into to talk about this is um uh, yeah i can look at it into it later but like um this guy was sort of critiquing the idea of having pets and they're saying that like we make them more human than we should to the point that he thinks that like um having pets will fall out of style in a few years because we will mm -hmm. have made them so like us that it'll be like unethical to to have a pet which uh just kind of what you were saying there that 
then the, the idea of digging it up is maybe just as bad to the people who had the pets than digging mm. up like a dead family member. Yeah, it is. And they are interviewing the people, some of the people who were, who had their pets dug up. Mm-hmm. And they uh, seem to find it pretty dramatic, yeah. understandably enough. Like it's, um, yeah. That's it is kind of horrible. Yeah. yeah. But I understand that it's not some a concept that you are so familiar with. No. No, with the uh, pet. Uh, with yeah. 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 And it's um it's true. <laughs> 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 but so when I um before I came here, I did a little bit of reading about film. Okay. To refresh my memory, and then yeah. a lot of people are saying. Like a typical thing that you say about Gates of Heaven is that it's not really about pets. Mm-hmm. It's about a lot of other things. Yeah. Like people yes. who love their pets and death and yeah. capitalism and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which is maybe why I like it because what Joe is referring to <laughs> is the fact that I've never had a pet. And I never had a pet growing up mm-hmm. because both my parents are very alleg- allergic. Yeah. Um, I had fish though, which yeah. are pets. They are pets. Yeah, I yeah. would say from some of the fish that I ha- have had, I've been very attached to them. But I think that just says more about me than <laughs> than having fish because I've been very upset when certain fish have died. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah it is upsetting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you don't have this like family dog of fifteen no, years no, no. attachment. Yeah, I've never had a pet that was also a family member. Yeah, I guess. But I obviously get it. I know I want the pet mm-hmm. when I get an <laughs> apartment where it's allowed. Yeah. But um What kind of pet do you want? Oh the cat. Oh yeah. I'm a cat person. Recommend. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a cat? Yeah, I've had cats like growing up. Oh. Uh only cats. Oh. We're ostensibly a not a dog family, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've I've had like uh four cats, I think. Mm. I had my childhood cat that I grew up with, Jake who died when I was like maybe 12 mm. and then we had Buddy who died very young car incident very sad oh, no. but now we have uh, Bruno and Lola okay. who are two cats okay. girl and boy and yeah I think uh, I was actually talking to someone else about this uh, the I- like the idea of losing a pet like the more pets that you lose the more kind of um, okay you are with the mm. idea of it but I think with Bruno and Lola, I've, I, mm, I'm not so sure. <laughs> That's gonna be. That's bad. gonna be tough. Yeah. That's, I'm gonna have to like take a few weeks off. Yeah, yeah, understandable. Yeah, honestly, yeah. yeah. But I, I love those. Uh, I love those cats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that I'm finally getting the platform to talk about yeah. them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we've had cats and we've mm. had guinea pigs, um, hamsters. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I had stick insects. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to them, actually, <laughs> upon reflection. Okay. But uh, we had them. Mm. Um, and fish, yeah. yeah. I, like, my d- my dad had fish from before I was born. And they only died, like, last year? They Or something so or day before. Long. But they were 24, Surprising. 25. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think when you have pets growing up, mm-hmm. or pets, they kind of, they obviously, or most likely will die before you yeah so you have you are kind of confronted with death 
Yeah. Especially good. in childhood for mm-hmm. with children losing pets. That's yeah. like a then you have yeah. to explain that maybe. Maybe that's the first time you Yeah, usually talk with your child about yeah. the concept of death or yeah, I don't know. But we had the first time we got fish <laughs> was when my dad um and my mom uh divorced. Okay. And then my dad <laughs> lived in this kind of like it was a nice apartment, but Okay. It was kind of obviously his bachelor pad. Yeah. Oh, he, he oh just no. he's yeah. not a very he's like a minimalist kind of person. So okay. it was a sofa, a table with three chairs, yeah, and then two beds for him and me and my brother. Okay. And we were there every other weekend. Yeah. And I was about five or six. Everything you need by the yeah, sounds yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What he would have said, mm-hmm. but like <laughs> for me, <laughs> had my childhood uh, kind of home. Yeah. Removed to mm-hmm. that in a way. That w- yeah, it was a strange time. But he then, I guess maybe to cheer us up, bought us a fish each. Okay. Uh, a red one and a black one. Yeah. And then this is like the early 2000s. So you could just go to the fish store and you bought like a round bowl. Yep. And then, and I, you wouldn't do that now because it's not good for the fish. It's True. way too, l- mm-hmm. it's not a l- enough water and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you d- like get the bag of fish and then you get the bowl. Yep. And then... We were very excited. We got one each. And then when we woke up the next day, one of them had... No. <laughs> Obviously, they yeah. yeah. Oh, damn. So, yeah. So that was a very uh, kind That's of immediate... Fast. Yeah. Uh, then we had to have a discussion about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because of this fish. And then it... Yeah. What did you do with the fish? I don't know. I think my father handled it. I honestly don't know. I think my father just handled it. Okay. Maybe. We were not a part of that process. Yeah, because I remember when w- one of my dad's fish died. Mm. One of the first ones died. And I remember being sort of like perple- perplexed by it. But I'd also seen Nemo. Because oh yeah. Nemo was a film that I saw many, many times yeah. as a kid. Because my sister watched it like every day. <laughs> um, great movie. Um, but I was aware of the idea of like fish getting flushed down the toilet. And then when... We did it, and I just thought, remember thinking at like, mm. however, less than ten, I guess, and being like, "This is super weird." And like me and my dad sort of prayer oh. over the toilet, and then that was f- like the burial. And then we just flushed the toilet. Yeah, but I remember, th- remember thinking it was weird. So maybe I sh- would have preferred to be left out of the <laughs> toilet flushing <laughs> that experience. Yeah, uh, but I remember it like even now. It was a uh, strange. That's like a core memory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with um, this uh, like pretty large goldfish mm. going down the toilet, and my dad saying it was going to heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of. Uh, I think that's the reason that people need pet cemeteries. Yeah. Firstly, because they want to have somewhere where they can mourn, so yeah. they can go to this kind of memorial. Mm-hmm. Um. Which makes sense. Yeah. And then also, in Gates of Heaven, to circle back. Yes, sure. <laughs> um, they talk to owners of pets who have buried their pets. Mm-hmm. And they talk a lot about... This is where it kind of gets profound. Because they sort of talk about the soul of the animal. Yeah. They're very religious themselves. Yeah. And after l- having l- lived with... The an animal for maybe 15 years mm-hmm. they kind of 
uh, it's incomprehensible for them that that pet doesn't have a soul. So it has to be buried for them to be able to meet it again. Mm -hmm. And that says yeah. something about the animal, I guess, or the bond between pet owner and pet in a way. Yeah. So but that's something that through all this research that I've that kind of links with what you were saying mm. for the even this like specific case with these specific people that that idea of uh kind of like immortalizing the pet mm. is very important to people and that even from like we we're reading about like the um like 30 bc or something in israel people yeah. were burying dogs for some kind of like religious reasons or yeah. in egyptian times they were buried so they could go with their owner to the afterlife and um yeah in this very famous pet cemetery in london mm. uh they just began by it's in hyde park mm. um this the gatekeeper of hyde park just like let someone bury their dog in the backyard because they asked and then suddenly like hundreds of people were coming to ask if they could do that too yeah but all of like i can read you some of the quotes on the graves because it kind of links to what you were saying yeah and some of them are like pretty profound we have like so this is like the victorian era oh i think yeah. i said that so like uh to my dear musu there are men both good and wise who say that dumb creatures we have cherished here below shall give us kindly greeting when we pass the golden gate like it's beautiful yeah it is beautiful but it's like yeah that you have to put it on some sort of pedestal because mm. the idea of never seeing them again is too hard but it's just like uh kind of strange to what christian people might like pick and choose has a soul yeah, that's true. and doesn't have a soul the dog obviously has a soul obviously yeah but then like like a lizard yeah might not have a soul no that's true i guess no that's true but they, lizards are very cute they are. Yeah, they my friend. definitely have souls. My friend had a, a gecko, someone mm. I lived with in my bachelor. And it was very cute. Oh. It would, like, look at you and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I think they <laughs> have souls. That's the criteria. Yeah. Does it look at you? Yeah, uh, there's yeah. some, like, thought process going on there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think so. Nice. But, yeah, it's a... Uh, I actually grew up near a pet cemetery. Oh. Yeah, in the... Um, where I live in in England I live next to this um, park I guess and that has a very small but there's maybe like 100 150 graves if I'm remembering correctly mm. um, from like a Victorian era of all these pets and oh but then when I was a bit older then looking at them and then it they, they all have these like lovely epitaphs of uh, you know like my lovely dog I'll see you in like mm. see you when I see you kind of thing and there is a monta montage like that in Gisbeheaven. I don't know if you. I don't think saw I was around for that no. bit. I think that's when I was gone. <laughs> yeah, it was like <laughs> when I was in bed. Helmets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so in Gates of Heaven, there's this montage of um, a lot of the graves yep. of the animals, um, and it's a very touching moment. It's at the very end of the documentary, so it's just completely silent, and mm -hmm. they go from grave to grave. Um, so I can just read some of them. Yeah, go for it. This one is for Tippins, who lived from 1973 to 1976. And it says, Rest is thine, our beloved little angel, sweetest of memories ours. Mm. Which is sweet. Some people don't even get, like, 
yeah quotes on their <laughs> graves it. yeah that's just like your rest in peace or yeah pretty much <laughs> whatever like oh like daughter to some mother to something yeah but yeah but never something like so profound and lovely it is very like very heartwarming in a way the kind of like maybe we humanize them too much but also it's like so cozy at the same yes. time <laughs> <laughs> and it's very natural i think it's it's nice that they that an animal can or a pet can have that kind of um can change lives yeah i guess and they truly can definitely here's for example um andy who lived from 1975 to 1976 our beautiful son <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Yeah. <laughs> Only uh. one year. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Here we have Monkey and Tanya. And they lived from 1969 to 1971 mm -hmm. and 1968 to 1972, respectively. And it says, Forever in our hearts from Gordon and Tony. Oh. Uh, so sweet. It is very sweet. Mm -hmm. It's so sad to think that you never got that uh, experience with your um with your fish. Yeah, I know, but I kind of I did have empathy for them, I guess. Like I, yeah. I had feelings for them. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know if you could bury. <laughs> I think we. A I think fish, uh, uh, in the pet cemetery. Yeah. My home, like my my home in in uh, in England, mm. I I would like to think that we have our own mini, like Lawrence family pet cemetery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, because families make their own. We have uh, pretty much. I think every animal that we have had die, is buried in our garden. That's uh, very true, and I think yeah. uh, those kind of pet cemeteries, exist in Norway as well. Mm -hmm. Probably in every garden you could find yeah, a, a friend, buried. Yeah, a friend of mine was telling me he has their family dog buried at their cabin. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that that happens. Ah. Yeah. Well, that's so sweet, like all the memories that you spent together. And oh, <laughs> it's so cute. That's nice. <laughs> it's like but then you have, if you compare that to doing it as a business, mm. it is something completely it's strange. different. Yeah, yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. kind of but like something that's what's so interesting though yeah. about documentary it's like how yeah yeah but like there needs to be some sort of infrastructure to allow pet cemeteries mm. to exist like they have to be dug they have to be like uh oh kept i don't yeah. know if that's a word um probably yeah i don't know um but yeah like someone has to do it i guess but it's still strange that mm. someone's like profiting off of yeah, but I suppose we yeah, similarly is, have uh, that culture with people like funeral director and everything they make money off dying people a lot of money on dying people mm. yeah it's a business yeah funerals are expensive they really are yeah hmm could just bury everyone in the backyard yeah why not definitely yeah. why does it matter yeah you know I think uh <laughs> but I suppose it's the same way you want to go like visit them yeah yeah like we have a family grave 
that we go to like on anniversaries and yeah, everything yeah. and it's like nice i guess it makes very much sense yeah, it makes sense that we want yeah like it's maybe it's a bit creepy to have someone like a family member buried in your backyard i don't know is it legal i don't think so i don't think so either no probably for a good reason you'd probably have to own the land yeah. but maybe not even then <laughs> I, I don't know never heard about it no but since it's so that expensive that can be some homework yeah. for, uh, for, y- for us and everyone listening is can I <laughs> can I bury my like dead relative in my backyard along with Why my not? dead dog yeah yeah and my fish yeah <laughs> that's so nice I guess if you're religious you want to bury yeah your loved one in like a holy ground for mm-hmm. example but I just actually just learned that oh. watching The Wicker Man um, because uh, the man visiting the island he's very Christian and he is like explaining that you can't bury anyone anywhere you have to bury them on church ground otherwise they can't go to heaven hmm. so there you go so that's probably why yeah damn the people want to bury their pets in the pet cemetery yeah maybe I'll go to heaven I know I have one last one yeah go for and it and it's uh, nice one to close it's on it's a nice one okay mm. so this is Panda Mm-hmm. who lived from 1960 to 1975 so well, a long life Yeah. and it says I knew love, I had this dog <laughs> oh that's so nice that's yeah, so it's cute beautiful. it's a little Pomeranian oh. <laughs> yeah ev- every every one of these plaques also has uh, pictures mm-hmm. of the dogs yeah oh that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think that's a lovely note to yeah. uh, to end on. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you talking for having about me. This, this film. Was fun. Yeah. Nice to be outside. Yeah. Mm. Nice to be outside. Yeah. Usually it's amazing. I've been outside room. since last September or something. Really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> true. Yeah. Just inside. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that is that. That was a really great interview. I enjoyed it so much talking to Anna. I felt like it was a really wholesome conversation and I'm really, I feel really glad that we were able to have it at all. It was really nice to talk about some personal stuff and it was also just nice being outside, I guess. And it was very, I felt contemplative and it was just wholesome. And I hope that you could feel that sort of, uh, that we both had a very nice time and that was great so thanks again Anna for coming on and talking all about this film it's really like you know our pets really are sort of like the best of us in a way like it's a unique thing that ties everyone together and I think that when we were talking about it sort of I think I was sort of lightly talking about you know there's a lot to talk about with Christianity and why do they sort of pick and choose what gets a soul and what doesn't but ultimately I think it's something that we all do beyond sort of like the religious concept is that of course it's it's just like very wholesome and lovely that we care so much about these animals that are in our lives and we love them and I just think it's like not necessarily a very harmful thing just the idea of that you would you want to see them again wherever we go when we die and I don't know it's just like it's just cozy and 
it was really nice to talk about my pets and I love shout out Bruno and Lolo if you're listening to the podcast I love you guys <laughs> and uh yeah so that's yeah that's uh that's the episode um next week is our 10th episode damn we've been going for like about 12 weeks now 12 weeks on the trot and that's exciting next week we are joined by bendik again uh to talk about an insane film called who can kill a child and i'm very excited to talk about that one because uh i'll talk about it next week but this uh that film is actually what was one of the things that helped me sort of conceptualize the idea of the podcast before i even started making it i've been wanting to talk about this film for a really long time so i'm excited for that and i'm excited for 10 episodes that's gonna be really cool so let's close with uh some five star letterboxd reviews for this film so from ellie what an endearingly enigmatic watch this may be the most american film i've ever seen from rick pictures at least once a week i think about the completely credulous brother with his wall covered in random awards and i wish i could completely lack cynicism like he did also this is an astounding film that contemplates what it means to assign meaning in life but right now i'm thinking about the wall of plaques and from stin the documentary 90 minutes of pathos and an incredible shot composition the blueprint for christopher guest and wes anderson if I were an actor, I would use the woman's monologue about her deadbeat son as my audition tape, no matter the role. Yeah, I just, uh, if you can watch this film, definitely do, because I think you th- can find something in it, and it's just kind of contemplative, and even though the subject matter seems a bit sad, I think it's very wholesome at the root of it, and it's very well shot. But thank you very much for listening. This has been The Real Thing. I have been Joel Lawrence. Thank you, and goodbye. This has been a Bergen Film Club production. Our music is by Wise John. Check them out on Instagram at WISE John Official. Our logo is by Pia Sophia Brentesen. This episode was produced, mixed, and engineered by Joel Lawrence. Our researchers are Inke Schilfreiburn and Mamina Nazmajit. Want to talk to us about films? please send us an email at podcast at bergenfilmclub.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at TheRealThingPod. Check us out on Letterboxd at BFKTheRealThing. Thank you and goodbye. Listen, follow, leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts.